Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. There's just this heartbreaking new picture that's emerged in the Gabby Petito case. It is a selfie, and it shows the injuries to Gabby's face just moments before a wrenching and fateful encounter that you saw on police body cam. This was in Moab, Utah. I do want to warn you that the picture is, is very hard to look at knowing, you know, what came just days later. The picture shows Gabby's injuries a lot more clearly than we could see on this body cam. It was hard to tell when we saw these pictures, but Gabby took a picture of herself just two minutes, two minutes before those police arrived. And this is the selfie that she snapped. It shows a scratch under her eye and blood smudged across her face. You can see tears in her eyes. The picture was released by the law firm that is handling the Petito family's $50 million wrongful death lawsuit against the Moab police. And the suit claims that Gabby might never have lost her life at the hands of Brian Laundrie, her fiance that had been traveling with her, had the Moab police paid closer attention to these injuries and how she must have received these injuries. The lawyers say that Gabby was likely strangled and or suffocated by Brian Laundrie at about the time a caller uh, dialed 911 reporting to see her being slapped by Brian Laundrie in a parking lot. Um, you can also tell by that picture that um, Gabby Petito's tank top in the selfie matches the tank top that she's wearing in the back of the police cruiser there on the body cam. So the timing really does line up. The selfie itself was taken at 4.37 in the afternoon. That was August 12th, 2021. So 4.37, the picture snapped. The call to 911 comes in two minutes later. The body cam video starts at 4.53. Did you get hit in the face? Kind of looks like something like hitting you in the face. I mean, I mean, it's okay if you're saying you hit him, and then I, I understand if he hit you, but we want to know the truth if he actually hit you. Because, you know. I guess, yeah, but I can In those videos, Petito also says that Laundrie did not punch her, but that he grabbed her face and cut her with his fingernail. As we all know, police interviewed the couple for more than an hour and then determined that Petito had said she was the aggressor and that Laundrie was the victim. So they ordered the couple to separate for the night and there were no charges filed. But roughly two weeks later, Brian Laundrie strangled Gabby Petito. And then he took his own life and left behind a confession about a month after Gabby's body was found. I do want to give you this reminder. It's important. And Joe Petito would like you to know this. If you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship and they might need some help, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The number is 
799-SAFE. It's very easy to remember. 1-800-799-SAFE or 799-7233. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analysts and the Intelligence Cell. Now, I wanted to give you an update on Gabby Petito's case, because there are at least three significant things that have happened that I want to share with you. You might recall that there are two ongoing lawsuits, one that Gabby's family have against Merb City Police, and the other is regarding Brian Laundrie's parents, Roberta and Christopher Laundrie. And the first update relates to the civil suit against Brian's parents. And you might recall that Gabby's parents filed a motion to add Steve Bertolino, who was the attorney acting on behalf of the Laundries, well, they filed a motion to add Steve Bertolino as a defendant in the ongoing civil suit against the Laundries. And the motion claims that Steve Bertolino, in addition to Brian Laundrie's parents, knew Gabby had been murdered and the location of her body when Steve Bertolino issued a statement on behalf of the Laundries on the 14th of September 2021, about the search for Gabby. Now in that statement, Steve Bertolino said, and I'm going to quote him verbatim, It is our understanding that a search has been organised for Miss Petito in or near Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming. On behalf of the Laundry family, it is our hope that the search for Miss Petito is successful and that Miss Petito is reunited with her family. One week later, Gabby's body was found in Bridge Teton National Forest. Now, significantly, this was a time when the Laundrie family said that they had remained silent. But they didn't. Steve Bertolino said this on their behalf. And the question must be raised of why did they speak out then and why did he say that? Well, the motion claims that it was beyond outrageous, in inverted commas, for the Laundries and Bertolino to express their hope, in inverted commas, that Gabby be found when they knew she had been murdered. So the update is that on January the 24th, Judge Danielle Brewer ruled that Steve Bertolino will be added as a defendant to the lawsuit filed by Gabby's parents. Why is that important? Well, for me, Gabby's family are seeking justice and accountability for Gabby's murder and the attendant harm caused, and that's important. You hear me talk about accountability all the time, and given what has transpired and given the laundry's behaviour and Steve Bertolino's behaviour, and I have talked about both before on Crime Analyst Podcast in deconstructing Gabby's case, it's really significant, and they want accountability. And I think that's a very important thing and we're going to see it play out in court. Well, the second significant development in Gabby's case was the release of a photo taken by Gabby, which shows that she was violently assaulted and was lightly strangled and or suffocated prior to her interaction with Murr Police on August the 12th, 2021. Now, I did post the distressing image on social media and I will say it is distressing and it is haunting. And some people jumped on my timeline advocating for Brian, which is disgusting, quite frankly. He murdered Gabby, there's no doubt about that. 
So you have no business advocating for him. So please stop. And second to that, others jumped on who were deeply sympathetic and felt really upset for Gabby and for her family. But there was a number of people who wrote to me and asked, did the family give permission to release the image? And where's their statement about it? Well, this particular photograph was released by Gabby's family's lawyer, Parker McConkie. And I'm going to read to you what Parker McConkie released on February the 6th, 2023. And I'm going to directly quote from their press release. The law firm of Parker McConkie receives regular media inquiries regarding Petito versus Merb City Police Department. In particular, members of the media have asked about the photo discussed in the complaint filed on November the 3rd, 2022. In an effort to answer those inquiries, we are providing the photograph and limited information in the article below. So they call it an article, I'm calling it a press release, and this is what they released. Firstly, above the photo of Gabby, they wrote, Photo taken by Gabby Petito shows she was violently assaulted and was lightly strangled and or suffocated prior to her interaction with Merb Police on August 12, 2021. Underneath the picture, they wrote, The photo above found on Gabby's cell phone was taken by Gabby in the back of her van in Merb, Utah on August 12, 2021, prior to her stop by Merb City Police. According to available data, the image was taken at 4.37pm at or before the approximate time of the initial 911 call. Okay, so that part's important. The fact that it was found on Gabby's phone and the fact that it was just before the 911 call out. So the timeline is significant here. And the fact that Gabby took the photo, well, I'm going to come back to that. But what they wrote was this. As alleged in the complaint filed on November the 3rd, 2022, Gabby took a photograph of her injury, which shows blood across her nose and left eye. Gabby pointed out the injury to Officer Pratt, but he ignored her and did nothing more to investigate or document the injury. The photo demonstrates the cut previously noted on her left cheek, as well as blood smeared from her forehead, across her left eye and cheek and over her nose, indicating that she was grabbed over her face in such a way that her airways were lightly obstructed. Gabby documented the injury and, during the stop, attempted to tell Merb officers, however, the seriousness and significance this type of assault and injury had was completely ignored. And there are two pictures of Gabby. One picture which is showing her grabbing her face and showing what Brian Laundrie did to her and the other pointing to the cuts on her face – and underneath, Gabby's directly quoted, this is what she said on the police body-worn camera footage, he like grabbed my face, like I guess, he didn't like hit me in the face, he didn't like punch me in the face. Officer Pratt, did he slap your face or what? Gabby, well he like grabbed me, like this with his nail, and I guess that's why it hurts, I definitely have a cut, like I can feel it. The officers ignored this critical evidence and did nothing to follow up on or to further investigate Gabby's report that Brian had violently grabbed her face and cut her cheek. The Utah Criminal Code's definition of aggravated assault includes any act that impedes the breathing or circulation through an act of violence by applying pressure to the neck or throat or by obstructing the nose, mouth or airway. Domestic violence experts who have reviewed the evidence have stated that 
All the clues lead us to conclude that Gabby was most likely strangled and or suffocated by Brian before the police arrived on August 12, 2021. Domestic violence research shows that if a victim of intimate partner violence is strangled or suffocated even one time, she is 750% more likely to be killed by that person. This tragic photo of Gabby makes several critical points clear. Gabby was not the predominant aggressor when she was assaulted by laundry on August 12, 2021. Gabby was likely strangled and or suffocated by laundry before the police arrived on August 12, 2021. Murb police failed to recognise the violent grabbing of Gabby's face and obstruction of her nose, mouth and airways as a critical precursor to her eventual death by strangulation that occurred a short time later. Murb police failed to listen to Gabby, failed to investigate her injuries and the seriousness of her assault, and failed to follow their own training, policies and Utah law. The document ends by saying, The Petito family is heartbroken to see how Murb police officers failed to recognise the danger Gabby was in. They remain committed to making sure legislators and law enforcement will have the necessary training and resources to identify and prevent similar tragedies in the future. Last week, while in Utah to support passage of a law to require use of training and procedures to more effectively identify and assess these dangers, Nicole Schmidt gave the following statement. Our daughter Gabby died as a result of intimate partner violence that could have and should have been identified by law enforcement using the lethality assessment. We believe that if the lethality assessment had been properly used in her situation, together with the recommended support and resources, Gabby would still be alive today. So this is very important evidence in my opinion. When women take photos like this, it's because they know they're at risk. And I've seen this across 27 years of working with victims. It also shows the importance of training on coercive control and asking the right questions. Strangulation increases the risk sevenfold of serious harm and femicide and Gabby was strangled to death just weeks later. Officer Pratt didn't follow up or ask any further questions or even ask Gabby to step out of the patrol vehicle so that he could see her injuries. Instead, he just changed the subject. And you can listen to my 20-part deconstruction about Gabby's case, where I detail this, and the review of the case. You see, for me, the double standard of looking at, asking about, and taking photos of Brian's tiny little cuts cuts made most likely by Gabby trying to get her phone and her keys from Brian to get into her van, she was defending herself and her property. Brian was the predominant aggressor and the abuser creating the problem, and this was totally overlooked. And my last update in the case for now is regarding Roberta Laundry and the fact that she broke her silence in an attempt to stop the Petitos from seeing her burn-after-reading letter that she wrote to Brian. Now, I have talked about this letter before, so do listen to the 20-part deconstruction of the case. But she said that her letter predated the 2021 trip with Gabby, and it was meant, and I'm going to direct quote her, to reach out to Brian while he and I were experiencing a difficult period in our relationship. Hey lovely, what's your makeup go-to? What do you need to face the day? Now for me, if I apply my eyeliner, my brilliant eye brightener, mascara and red lipstick, I feel ready to face anything. 
But I know every now and again, I need to zhuzh up my makeup. And my amazing sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics, has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. With clean, skin-loving ingredients, their foolproof products make it easy for any skill level to apply. Also, Thrive Cosmetics' Bigger Than Beauty mission is amazing. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. I love that Thrive Cosmetics supports domestic violence victims, breast cancer survivors, and women who are homeless. Now, if you want to wreck from me, you cannot go wrong with the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara has a unique formula which creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. And they use nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger and healthier looking lashes over time. Plus, it's super easy to remove and slides right off with warm water and doesn't leave smudges. So treat yourself or someone you love and help women thrive together. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash crimeanalyst. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash crimeanalyst for 10% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. She said, I had hoped this letter would remind him how much I loved him. And in fact, I'm going to read exactly what she wrote in the affidavit. So this is what Roberta Laundry wrote. I, Roberta Laundrie, am a defendant in the above-styled cause and I do hereby swear or affirm that I fully understand the meaning of all the terms of this affidavit. I wrote the letter requested by plaintiff's second request for production. I wrote the letter to my son Brian Laundrie on or about the end of May 2021. Although I do not know the exact date I wrote the letter, I do know that I wrote it and gave it to Brian before Brian and Gabby left Florida for New York, which was on June the 2nd, 2021. In brackets, Brian and Gabby went from Florida to New York before they went out west. The purpose of the letter was to reach out to Brian while he and I were experiencing a difficult period in our relationship. Brian and I always had a very open and communicative relationship, and in the months prior to the trip, our relationship had become strained. Brian and I shared a love of stories and some of the language in the letter was using similar phrases to describe the depth of a mother's love. The two books that come to mind are The Runaway Bunny and The Little Bear. In addition, Gabby had given Brian a book called Burn After Writing, which contains printed questions to which the reader responds by writing their answers on the page. The back of the book instructs the reader to create a secret book and then destroy by Burn After Reading. The bottom of the back cover says, Write, Burn, Repeat. 
Brian, Gabby and I often joked about this book and the importance of being able to express yourself. If you were embarrassed or simply did not want anyone to know your thoughts or feelings, then the book offered the perfect solution by telling you to burn it. This is where my message to Brian came from, and I wrote on the cover of the book for Brian to burn after reading. In short, I was trying to connect with Brian and repair our relationship as he was planning to leave home, and I had hoped this letter would remind him how much I loved him. There were some other phrases that I used in the letter, which are not found in the books I shared with Brian as a child. However, these phrases were common enough in our circle of friends and family to describe who you could turn to in the most troubling times of your life. While I use words that seem to have a connection with Brian's actions and his taking of Gabby's life, I never would have fathomed the events that unfolded months later between Brian and Gabby would reflect the words in my letter. The words in the letter could never have been a comment on that tragic situation, as they were written so many months before. My words to Brian were meant to convey my love and support for my son through a light-hearted and quirky reminder that my love for him was not diminished and could not be shaken by the miles of separation we would soon be faced with. Although a few of the words in the letter are being quoted by others as having a connection to this case, all of the words taken together and in the context of the reason the letter was written show that there is no connection. In addition, there has been some speculation that this letter was in Brian's possession or in his backpack when he died, insinuating that I gave it to him as he left my home on September the 13th, 2021, but that is not true because the FBI had the letter in their possession and questioned members of my family about it prior to October 20th, 2021, when my husband and I found Brian's remains in the reserve. I repeat that the letter I wrote to Brian before he left with Gabby for their fateful trip was nothing more than a private communication between myself and my son, and I never expected anyone else would read it. In some way, I did not want anyone else to read it, as I know it is not the type of letter a mother writes to her adult son, and I did not want to embarrass Brian. That is why I wrote Burn After Reading on the envelope, and I knew that Brian would know what that meant. I am now appreciative that he actually kept it. Well, you're probably wondering what my view is, and first and foremost, Roberta Laundrie thought that this was important enough to break her silence over. Therefore, it sounds very important to me. Equally, the fact that there are so many words on the page feels like the lady doth protest too much, and also words like tragic situation really is a distortion of reality, because what we do know is that Brian strangled Gabby to death. To say that this is a tragic situation, which tragic implies, well, the subtext to that is it's not preventable, when this absolutely was. Brian took this decision, and that was on Brian, and now we have Roberta Laundrie breaking her silence to say a lot of things. It sounds very extraneous to me to muddy the waters, don't look over here, look over there. And also just to give you another context, well, on the podcast, I talked with News Nation reporter Brian Entin, who covered Gabby's case as it was unfolding. Now, he interviewed Pat Riley, the Petito's family lawyer, who saw the burn after reading letter at an FBI regional office, and we talked about that specifically. Now, according to Pat Riley, the letter said that Roberta Laundrie would bring a shovel to help bury a body, as well as references to helping Brian get out of prison. Pat Riley also said that the envelope containing the letter said burn after reading, and that the letter was recovered from Brian Laundrie's backpack, where the body was found. 
Now again, that sounds like significant evidence to me, and in my opinion a jury should decide if it's relevant and not the laundries. The next in-person hearing is scheduled for May 24th to hear arguments on the laundry's second motion to dismiss the case. I'll keep you updated on Crime Analyst, and in the meantime, definitely check out my 20-part deconstruction of Gabby's case on Crime Analyst. And so I'll end thinking about Gabby and Gabby's family and friends. Until next time, be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instincts. Here's my final two cents before the episode wraps. If you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to Crime Analyst or on the website www.crime-analyst.com. It really helps others find me and also helps with the ratings. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. Sound engineering by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art and graphics by Chris Robottom at Syndicate and music by Kilrude.